just on the moor above um, Ilkley, so I was inspired to record this thing in a view. Uh, I've also just managed to fall flat on my uh, face in front of a load of sheep, which seems to be becoming a bit of a regular regular occurrence as I managed to stub my toe on something and go flat out. After the doldrums of the winter, and finally after months of struggle with injury, I've joined Mark in being able to get out running in the spring sunshine myself. Monday the 1st of April, 18, two days to go. My first meaningful run of my Bob Graham preparation, really. This focusing of the mind with less than four months to go before our attempt at the Bob Graham round has prompted some of the more podcast-shy members of our group to come out of hibernation and record their running exploits too. And in this episode, you have a real treat. Mark's older brother, Mike, begins his training to be a support runner and he offers up an audio diary of his thoughts. Right, I think I need to um, get a bit more serious about this, really. So I'm going to go out for a run with uh, Jesse, the faithful hound. I was spurred into action by uh, a post on our WhatsApp group today. Back to Mike in a moment, but first the WhatsApp group where not all the chat remains running focused. Inspired by the compassion for animals, devoted environmentalism and committed veganism of Nick, I'm three days into a plant-only diet. What other than me has inspired it? The planet. Humans without food. Cows with lots of it. Cows who are dead, so I can have milk. Have you watched or read a thing? Not a specific thing, just spoke to a vegan bloke, on a stall at a festival. Remarkably for a vegan of 15 years he was quite tubby. Fat Vegan Bastard Hi, and welcome to our podcast about the Bob Graham Round. A 66-ish mile run in the Lake District up and over 42 of England's tallest mountains in under 24 hours. Recorded throughout 2018 and 2019, this is an audio account of a year preparing for and attempting the BGR. These are our Bob Graham sounds. This week I'm going to try and publish three mini-episodes to document a fast and furious few weeks of training, recceing and interviewing great guests that took place in our year building up to the Bob Graham. So you'll hear from Ricky Lightfoot, Cumbrian fell racing star, Nicky Spinks, no longer a Barclay Marathon's virgin, and in this, the first part of the Lord of the Round trilogy, US ultra runner philosopher Ricky Gates. He's back to tell me what he learnt from his every single street project that he was building up for, where he went to run all the roads in his home city of San Francisco. And you'll hear Ricky's thoughtful American running wisdom in tandem with our team's own runner philosopher, Mike, who has thoughtful Yorkshire running wisdom to dispense. I'll just flick between the two channels and I think we'll all get something out of it to aid our running now. So let me take you back to April 2019 and the Ricky versus Mickey Transatlantic Endurance Philosophy Special. Who'd have thought 40 years ago that we'd be sitting here drinking Chateau de Chasselas? I would have been glad of the price of a cup of tea then. Ah, a cup of cold tea. Aye. Aye. Without milk or sugar. Aye. Or tea. <laughs> this is BBC One. Good afternoon.
leg three, which is the leg I'm hoping to support my brother on, is 22nd of June, 9am, and um, it made me think, you know, I need to get some running in. I've been doing a lot of cycling, a lot of cycling over the last few months, which is fairly typical for me, that's my main thing, but um, not a lot of running. My hip has not been the same since I did leg two support last summer, and I did quite a bit of running around that time. I don't know if it's knackered or um, it's psychological and I'm just a big wuss, but, you know, it's niggling away at me. On Yorkshire Television after the break, the TV premiere of Rocky IV, starring Sylvester Stallone. Hi, Bob. Hi there, Ricky. How you doing? I'm all right, thank you. Thanks for, for doing this, and sorry I couldn't get the Skype working. No, not at all. I, I actually, uh, um, it worked out perfectly as far as uh, timing goes. I was five minutes late. <laughs> okay. I see from the from the dial code that you're in Colorado, which is uh, where you were originally from, but not your current uh, residency, I believe. So um, what are you doing at the moment? Um, I'm actually down in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Oh. And uh, my, my, yeah, so it's, it's right next to Colorado, but... Uh, we're down here to consider looking at a new place to live. So, uh, yeah, we, we're just now finishing uh, five months of travel in a little van, and uh, now we're uh, yeah now we're ready to settle down a little bit. Okay, cool. So, the every single street project that you were building up to when we spoke in October, uh, you've now completed, and and that was to run along all the roads in San Francisco, which was where you were living at the time. Now, I've, I've watched the film of the project and um, had a browse of some of your photos on your website, and it's it's surprisingly mesmerising. Uh, there's a real beauty to it, I, I think, that's uh, different to amazing trail views and beautiful mountains and and so on but it's still quite beautiful is that what you thought as well yeah i i kind of felt that way um similar to how i feel about running in the mountains it's not always beautiful certainly if you're into the the zone of suffering as we've all experienced out on the trails and probably out on the the long runs on the roads as well and so overall it was uh, an incredibly eye-opening experience really beautiful at most of the time yeah just an interesting project uh, uh way more interesting than i ever really could have anticipated with just the the people that i met and um kind of understanding getting a new understanding of how cities form and and why we're attracted to them and and uh, also why we need to get out of them as well <laughs> yeah uh, you could definitely tell in the film as you're sort of mulling over what it's meant to you to do it that it it has had a bit of an effect and made you uh, think about your relationship to uh, other people and to cities that we we congregate in the, the the striking thing that i really loved and so did my wife when we watched it is just the people that you met have have some of those individuals stuck with you who was your who are your favorites oh let's see i had quite a few on this one uh the the streets project 
project was a little bit different than my uh, run across the country in the sense that uh, um, it, it, it was actually a bit more challenging to get really close to people on this run because, you, I mean, you just don't really stand out when you're running across Kansas with a backpack on and a full beard and hollow eyes and people uh, <laughs> stop their car and want to talk to you and figure out what's going on there. When you're doing the same in San Francisco, they might consider giving you a dollar or telling you where the, the the nearest homeless shelter is or giving you the leftovers of their lunch, but there's not as much of a uh, an interest in, in exactly what you're doing. So in that sense, it was, uh, yeah, it was a little bit more of a challenge, but uh, some of the people that I met, uh, I would say for the most part, were kind of in the areas of town where more often than not you're warned uh, not to go or spend any time there after dark um, and I think that it says a lot just about uh, how shaking up our narrative a little bit about uh, um, safety and neighborhood barriers uh, can really be beneficial in meeting uh, new people and, and getting new stories and a, and a new understanding for for the environment that, uh, frankly, most of us uh, in the United States and, and beyond live in, um, this this environment of the city, of the urban landscape, is prevalent, you know, it's um, and becoming more so every year. So it was really amazing to kind of explore that quite a bit deeper. And did you, on that run or on the the one across america did you ever feel unsafe you know because of because of people because of the you know the nasty neighborhood you were in or anything like that you know i never really did bob uh but it has to be admitted that i'm in a position like first of all i'm a male um that uh you know there's there's no doubt about it that women uh certainly feel justified in in not feeling safe in certain areas of the city or the country uh during certain parts of the day or into the night and then also my my color can play a lot into that as well um being a white person you're just much less likely to be profiled for a lot of things whether that's from your fellow citizens or from the police but uh no i didn't really ever feel unsafe there's a lot of places where Looking at it from the outside, one would think that you'd feel unsafe. But if you kind of go into these areas with a mindset, a certain mindset of like, all right, this is what I've chosen to do, this is what I'm going to do, then it really has strong potential to kind of eliminate some of that uh, feeling of unease. David Attenborough explores the living planet on BBC Two now, looking at the way mankind has changed and scarred the face of the Earth. First, has the unsavoury compo discovered the key to Nora's heart? Leg three for me is pretty huge because I'm not really a proper runner and I think really for leg three you need to be able to run a marathon really. Um, I mean I've run a marathon but very slowly and no disrespect to leg two but leg three is a lot harder from what I can gather I say from what I can gather because I haven't haven't done it I've done bits of it walking and so on but I've never never run it this year I did ask if I could do leg three I know 
everybody's thinking, mm, couldn't you just do leg two like last year? You know what you're doing, you could deliver. Leg three might be a bit beyond you. I know everybody's thinking that, but I'd really like to do leg three, so obviously I need to get a grip. On four, a burger, a shake, and a lot of heartache in the wonder years. Winnie sees red when Kevin sees a pretty waitress. What would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? I remember reading a book by a guy called Alistair Humphreys who cycled round the world. Uh, it took him about four years, and he, he did it just after college. He was a British guy, and he said that when he was on a push bike, you know, going through countries which, you know, people are probably not advised to travel through, like Sudan, you know, fairly war-torn areas, and and also areas where a white guy would be viewed as super rich and therefore a target. He just found that because he was coming into town on a push bike, looking sweaty and dusty and dirty, he wasn't a threat. He, he came kind of undercover, whereas if he'd have rolled into town in an enormous 4 by 4 straight away he would be a target and he would have been different. And I guess for you running around with your pencil and paper ticking off your streets you don't you don't look a threat no no and, and i think you're you're hitting the nail on the head there uh, the more humble your your transportation whether it be feet or bike really the the more open arms you are going to receive uh, kind of anywhere you go i experienced that around san francisco and i experienced that going across the country i've certainly done some travel on on bicycle on push bike and and uh the open arms are still there um but a little, little bit less so and then motorcycle there's st- there's still there more so than a car um but yeah the more metal um and rubber you build up around yourself uh the less people uh, less likely people are to kind of uh welcome you into their homes and and I think it just comes down to a, a level of humility. I think uh, it, it really goes a long way with with everybody, and I think it's universal as well. The, the whole thing was about 1,100 miles of, of street, and I think you, you ended up doing a bit more than that over several weeks. You, you weren't going at blistering pace, it didn't look like, uh, on, the, on the film, but you might want to correct me on that. Um, and you, you're taking pictures, you're talking to people, and you, you're checking all your handwritten maps, but yet, I th- I'm sure at one point in the film you sort of you look quite exhausted and and it's like taking its toll on you as the the weeks are progressing was it more or less exhausting would you say than wilder uh, rural running yeah so i mean a couple of things definitely made it very exhausting uh and would certainly account for my blistering pace of of 13 minute miles um <laughs> no by no means were that was i moving quick out there and simply the the length of the days i was going out for eight to ten hours a day and the number one thing was the route finding it doesn't seem like it like if you if if you don't think about the math problem all that much it doesn't seem like it should be that complicated um but if you actually take a a grid or or a map and and start tracing it and trying to hit every single line on that map and then you go back and circle every uh block where your pencil hit twice in order to cover all of those lines. Um, you end up with with quite a lot of extra. So um, I think there's about 1,100 miles of street in San Francisco. I ended up doing 
closer to 1,350 miles, so almost uh, a little bit less than 20% extra. And then you take into account that a city like San Francisco has a whole lot of elevation gain. Maybe it's never all that much at once, uh, three or 500 feet. Um, but if you're going to go up and down that three or 500 foot long, foot tall hill, you know, 30 times in a day, then, you know, it, it really adds up uh, to, to something quite substantial. And then you do that again the next day and, and then the next day and then the next day. Um, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it certainly took a toll on me. But yeah, the pace was really about being out there all day long and and getting to know a place, getting to, I mean, just small things, watching the light change um, throughout the course of the day. Um, I think if we've gone out and put in our long miles, whether it's uh, on the Bob Graham round or, or in the Rockies, you know, if you're out there all day long, these are things that you appreciate. You don't seem to take notice of them quite as much in the city or in our neighborhoods outside the house uh, just because it seems so commonplace. But when you're forcing yourself to do something like this, to run all day, every day for, for days and weeks on end, there's certain things that you really begin to notice and, and look forward to and appreciate. In the cathedral, we like old buildings, don't we? You and me. And she put her arm through mine. And this collection of Alan Bennett's unique monologues of his childhood memories is available on BBC Audio Cassette. And like any sport runner, your worst fear is that you become a hindrance and you're hopeless. You're not sporting, you're not able to log the summits, you're not able to give your bits of kiwi fruit or your sugar babes or whatever they call them to your runner and you're a bit of a waste of space so luckily for me I live in a fairly hilly area and I can run out the front door and I can go sort of straight up and keep going and you get to a thousand feet so I can get out very quickly and do some decent climbing and I'm hoping soon to take uh, the main man, Mark Kennedy, on a local, very hilly run. Uh, I want to absolutely destroy him, really. I won't obviously do it all. I'll leave him about halfway and get the train home. I'd never get in. That mountain's safer than Fort Knox. And the conflict continues. Part two of Night Rider this Saturday at five past five. What did you learn about or how did it affect your relationship to San Francisco? Uh, I mean, you seem to be moving out, so perhaps it wasn't such a good thing. No, I mean, I had planned on moving out of San Francisco uh, all along. I'd been there for six years. It, it wasn't something that I necessarily advertised during my run, but I kind of considered it like, uh, in a way, kind of like my last dance with the city, um, my last way to really get to know the city and and so I, I certainly have no regrets other than I, I kind of maybe wish I'd have done it a 
little sooner, a little earlier in, in my time living there. Um, but if there was some takeaways, um, it's, it's that I'd, I'd really love to, uh, do something similar to that in the next town that I live in, whether it's, uh, here in Santa Fe or somewhere in Colorado. Um, I just think that it's, uh, an amazing way to get to know a place. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can say with near certainty that pretty much every single person in any town around the world has not been on every street in that town even if it's a small town and and uh you know i don't i don't know quite what there is to gain from from doing every street in a small town or in a big city uh whatever it may be other than that there's an immense amount of understanding and empathy that goes along with it you really appreciate your neighbors more you appreciate that you know there are these bubbles that we live in and they exist for a reason but they can also be disrupted and i think that's that it's really important for them to be disrupted so it wasn't uh you know i i definitely learned a lot about san francisco on this uh on that project but even more so i learned about just kind of cities and congregations of human beings in general and that was the the biggest takeaway from the project yeah i'll ask you about that in a second my wife's reaction when we when we watched the film was straight away they're like oh maybe i should do that in our city in portsmouth in in england and so she's quite keen on on that idea and i think there's just something quite nice about finding out little places I've, I've interviewed a travel writer for for this podcast as well who says when when he does those pieces of travel journalism for another city you know one of the first things he does is set his alarm very early so he can get a couple of hours running around the streets of whatever city he's arrived in and then when you go out later in the day to sort of do your interviews or see the sites or whatever it is you already feel like you're slightly under the skin of the of the city that you're in Totally. Yeah. I, I mean, I I don't think ownership is necessarily the word that I want to use for it, but uh, I'm going to use it anyway. Um, I do think that there's a certain level of ownership when, when you do something like that. Um, and I think we get the same when, when we're running in the mountains, if we've gone up and down a mountain and, and you're back in town and you're looking at that mountain and maybe, uh, it's, like I said, maybe not ownership is the right word, but uh, just looking at something and saying yeah i did that like i actually understand that i know it and i think that's really important and what did you learn about people if if there's any generalizations about the people you've been bumping into on this and and the transamerica run has it made you uh has it made you a better person do you think and and uh, do you see your fellow man in a different way i definitely do with that said i would also admit that it's constantly a work in progress. When I was running across the country, there was an immense amount of pride in what I was doing and and, uh, ego, um, you know, just kind of doing something that you know that 99.9% of the human population would would never even consider doing. There's a lot of, you know, an immense amount of pride that goes along with that. In San Francisco, when I was doing that project, uh, I didn't feel quite that same level of... of, accomplishment on a daily basis but it was much more on a human level 
where I felt like I was learning how to to communicate with my with my fellow human beings a lot better. Really, just yeah, making eye contact with people all day, every day. Um, you know, my my goal is is usually to get to know people, and it's it's not always easy. Um, but the very first step in that is is uh, you know when you're just walking down the street, make eye contact with people, and you know we've we've got such busy lives and. It makes sense to me that our tendency is to kind of put our earbuds in and, you know, we've got our our starting point and our end point and, and to just kind of put our head down and, and get to it. We're all just kind of uh, trying to get through the day. But um, I think that there's a lot to be gained from this simple act of, of making eye contact. And, and I mean that for for everybody, you know, whether it's the police officer on the corner or the the homeless man, uh, you know, begging for change or, you know, that it, it just kind of goes on all day long. And, and it sounds fairly obvious, but, uh, you know, you don't really realize that you're getting into a routine of, of lack of contact despite uh, this, this immense, these immense populations that we live in until uh, you start paying attention to to making that effort every day yeah when when we go up to the lakes and we're running in the fells there's a sort of a great joy and a relief at bumping into somebody and so there's quite a nice kind of oh hi hi and you do make that contact and one of our gang that we run with nick is constantly the butt of our jokes for the fact that he will engage people in quite lengthy conversations sometimes when we're yeah you know, all in the middle of nowhere but you know he's just a people person and he and he does that but totally. I, the challenge is to do that in slightly more humdrum urban environments isn't it it's, it's easy when you're on the top of Helvellyn or something and to be full of the joys of spring but uh, you know when you're just in a busy street in in your neighborhood it's it's easier to just have your head down sometimes absolutely yeah i couldn't agree more next tonight on tighties it's miss world 1983 that's in a few moments every friday while mum made the tea i'd go down to meet dad We'd stop off at Mr. Crook's shop for a packet of his favourite tea. I loved going home to tea with him. It was always a real spread. I drink Yorkshire tea nowadays. Yorkshire tea, like tea used to be. I've been eating a curry all week uh, in stages. We, we, we bought this enormous curry deluxe package on Sunday night from our local takeaway, the Jewel of India. And it was called The Jewel. So we yeah, let's get The Jewel. And frankly, it's just, I've just been wading through it all week because I'm really tight and I don't like to see waste. So that's been the diet all week. Uh, and I've been drinking alcohol every night for the last few nights, um, which makes me sound quite bad, but that's fairly unusual. I wouldn't usually drink every night. I hasten to add not much. I've not been drinking much every night, but I've, you know, had the odd pint or two. And so I need to rein that in a bit, really. First on four with the time at five to six, Roseanne gambles her job against a holiday in Las Vegas. What did you learn about you and your relationship to running challenges? Because I... I got the impression that you you know you'd found that much more of a challenge than you were expecting the 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 um, every street challenge so has it made you rethink sort of 
what you what you want to do next in running or what the what the reason for you uh to to run is you know are you, are you kind of looking for different things out of running now yeah um you know i'm i I'm actually right when you called i just finished a track workout and i do a track workout maybe once a year a good friend of mine she's training for uh, the marathon, uh, 230, I think she's aiming for like 238 in the marathon. Um, and so it was a quick one. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm always looking for, for ways to, to read, help me redefine what this sport is all about. And, and I even hesitate calling it a sport and, and, or an activity. It's, it's like just movement and pure movement. And I love that. So, an, an unanticipated byproduct of this every single street project is that I really did discover uh, a new way of of uh, traveling, a new way of training, a new way of running, and a new way of really imagining what a city is and what it can be. So I've been running now for I started when I was fifteen. I'm just turned thirty eight or 39, 39. So yeah, I've, I've been doing this for 25 years now and, and I've gone through so many different transformations, everything from wanting to be a part of a, a group. Uh, and that was on the cross country team in high school, uh, which I uh, very much enjoyed uh, just kind of being with having a, a solid group of friends uh, in, in that scary environment of high school to, you know, racing and a little bit in college and then after college using it, uh, for racing and traveling in Europe and and now uh you know to using it as a way to get to know my my country and and my cities and my towns a bit better um so that was the uh the unintended consequences that uh you know it just keeps expanding for me what this uh what this this amazing sport this amazing activity is all about what's going to become of it next i i really have no idea i'm excited to to kind of give this every single street thing another go and in in a different town uh um while i was down in in mexico recently i did uh kind of the tourist version of every single street in mexico city i, I only did it for nine days but already kind of getting to know uh, a new place uh better than a lot of the locals were were getting to know it and for no other reason than i just have this really strange recipe that uh, seemed to work well for me in one place, and I thought it might work well for me in another place, and, and it certainly did. So we'll see what becomes next of it. It's very exciting to me to see that it's uh, that it's catching on with other runners uh, throughout the states and throughout Europe, and and even uh, a couple places in Africa, in South America, in Asia. People are taking on this project and just being able to watch their journey unfold is is really exciting to me so, and, and are people sharing that is the hashtag every single street the, the thing that uh, is is going as a result of it so that people can kind of keep uh, tabs on what other people are doing as well yeah um i highly encourage anyone that's i mean it's 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 fun for me to put out my project it's so much more fun to be able to put out a project and see that catch on and seeing how how other people are are interpreting it and you know just going through uh it's one of my favorite things to look at right now on on the entire internet is just uh seeing people's seemingly mundane photos from their runs followed with uh 
you know, a small map of, of what they did on that particular day. You know, they it looks kind of a little bit boring if you don't really think about it all that much. But then you look at this and take into account that, no, this is, uh, you know, every single street in this teeny little part of this city in this state in this country on this given morning and it's it's just a a recipe to provide a a little snapshot of that area for both the the person running it and and if they feel like sharing it then you know they they get to share this uh experience with with people around the world one of the unintended consequences of me doing this podcast and speaking to people yourself included and and a number of other people one of the common threads through the conversations that i've had and that will be in each episode of of the podcast is things that i would have considered eccentric are it seems with people that enjoy running and but also you know have a life and have a job and have other commitments they're, they're not eccentric when they perhaps do them in the middle of the night or they do, do you know get up very early to do them or they you know uh, structure their days their holidays what have you around being able to say run every street in a city or uh, you know a, a guy I, I interviewed who works very early in the morning in london said one of his favorite runs ever was when he got up at two o'clock in the morning and uh, ran the route of the london marathon through the night mm-hmm. on empty streets and he just said it, it was just amazing he, you know he spent four hours running the london marathon with no one watching no crowds cheering but no one on the road so uh right. it, it, you know i've found afterwards that now when i'm trying to fit training in for the bob graham and things i've thought well lots of people are doing this it's fine i'll get up it's a weird time of the morning to do it and it's a weird place to be doing it but i'll just go and do it anyway and uh, i think it's it's been quite a nice uh nice bit of shared knowledge or it's made me feel slightly more uh slightly more reassured that now other people are probably doing things just as strange in other parts of the world as well yeah totally and that those uh those midnight hours are are really quite magical as well you know, and they they last just as long as the other hours throughout the day, but they're filled with so much more stillness and silence and and contemplation. There's a lot to be uh, to be taken from them. Thanks ever so much for um, catching up with me again. That's that's great to hear how you're doing, and um, good luck with the move and the and the next uh, every single street project. I shall keep logging on and keep looking to see where you're running as well. Wonderful. Well, thanks, Bob, and I appreciate it, and uh, look forward to hearing about your you're Bob Graham in, in a few weeks. How did you get in? What's going on, Michael? Emmerdale, Tuesday and Thursday at 7 on ITV. And my only final thought that I'll leave you with is respect the mountains. I was watching this programme about Everest the other night and, you know, this top top climber guy was talking and you know he said mountains are dangerous you've got to respect the mountains and you know we all watch and we all listen and we all nod our heads don't we and we all say yeah yeah we respect them but do we really that's what i thought to myself do i really properly respect the mountain you know if things were to go wrong you need kit you need plan you need backup you need to be with other people who also have kit and are fit and have backup plans and so on. And um, you need to, you know, properly 
um, go about things in a safe way, don't you? So, so that starts with the fitness, and that's where I'm off now. Okay, cheers. I love Ricky Gates and Mickey Kennedy, or Mike. Michael, Mick, he seems to have a number of aliases depending on where you know him from. Thanks to both of them for their generous wisdom in this episode. Now the Nicky in our Ricky, Nicky, Ricky triple bill of mini podcast episodes this week is Nicky Spinks, talking about her Barclay Marathon's debut and dispensing Bob Graham wisdom. You can imagine across to Bowfell and, and across, well from Bowfell really to the finish, you're on fairly rocky stuff and it's fairly hard for a supporter to get near you because it's a sort of single track rocky path and they're dodging around on the rocks as well so that's the sort of place where I think I might carry a bit more food on me but generally I don't carry the rucksack all the way around Now back from Tenerife, Bet and Rita find things aren't quite as they left them I've just um, been talking about how I live at the foot of a 800 foot climb and um, basically you can, you can sort of run a thousand feet high and um, how I was just going to go out for a run and was taking it up a bit really and then I got told I had to go and pick up my daughter from football training so me and the dog have run along the Leeds Liverpool Canal and have reached a sort of mighty altitude of about, I don't know, 30 feet or something like that. And because of timings and having to drive here and so on, I've ended up doing just over two miles. So, pretty pathetic, really. Um, but there you go. At least it's something, I suppose. Hmm. 